The Incomparable Number 227 December 2014 Welcome back to The Incomparable Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Jason Snell. We're here to convene another edition of the Old Movie Club. Old Movie Club! That's our theme song. I was thinking about it earlier today. It is now the official theme song of the Old Movie Club. Let me introduce my guest, the singer of the theme song, Old Man Number 1, Steve Letts. Hello. Good evening, Jason. It's good to be back in Old Movie Land. Yeah, it is. I think so. Monty Ashley also joins us. Hi, Monty. Hi, Jason. I am also pleased to be here in the old movie clubhouse. Oh, good. Uh, unfortunately, the No Girls Allowed sign was put on the door tonight oh, because Erica no. Ensign was very tired and had to bow out. And that makes us sad. And we blame Canada because one of the movies we're going to discuss tonight, not available in Canada. I don't know why. Not available in Canada. Andy Anatko is not in Canada and therefore is here. Hi, Andy. Hey, Jason. Uh, if, if we're going to be recording this on Nitrate Film Stock... Let me know because I need to put out this pipe. Okay. <laughs> no, no. Let's just see what happens. It'd be it'd be a shame if we got, got like ninety minutes of beautiful stellar stuff and then poof, just like real eight of Magnificent Ambersons all over again. Oh, I don't think there's much risk of that. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you might think that me and the three people I've already introduced would be um, really enough people to fill this very small stateroom that we're enough. in. But- and but, you'd be right, so but, let's... <laughs> but but in fact, bring it in, bring it on in, David Laura, come on in with whatever you're bringing, come on into the stateroom, it's good to have honk, you. Honk, 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 <laughs> Make that fall highball eggs. Honk, honk. <laughs> yep. And... <laughs> Is he going to do this the whole podcast? Because I can go. And the, and the impresario of the old movie club... Um, your, uh, your, your master of ceremonies, it is Philip Michaels. Hello. Hello, how are you tonight? Uh, I'm doing just fine. How are you? I'm o- I'm okay. All right. <laughs> just okay? Yeah, a little bit sleepy. A little bit sleepy. A little All bit right. sleepy. I'm trying to keep the energy up. Energy. And I and I hope our listeners in Canada have turned off the podcast because it's not for you, apparently. No. <laughs> no one must know about the Marx Brothers. Anyway, our, our topic tonight is the Marx Brothers. And the reason I wanted to do this toward the end of the year is because of a tradition that, uh, that Philip Michaels, you, you have, and actually passed on uh, to me. And now, and now uh, this happens in, in our family, too, where, where there is a ritualistic playing of the Marx Brothers film Duck Soup around about New Year's Eve. Can you um, explain a little bit about how that came about? Because we're, sure. we're going to talk about Duck Soup. And we're going to talk about a night at the opera, and we're going to more generally talk about the Marx Brothers in this yes, yes, end of year edition. So um, when I was a when I was a, le- a, a wee lad growing up in Southern California, uh, uh, Channel Five KTLA or Kitla, as we'll call it from here on out. Kitla. So every New Year's Eve, uh, Channel Five down in LA, or at least for New Year's Eves when I was a lad, they would show Marx Brothers movies mm. and. Um, Probably because they were very cheap to air, and, Kit- <laughs> and Kitla was a uh, very cheap a, TV station. A, a very cheap TV station, uh, and the one that uh, most rang true to me as a youngster, probably because they aired it at an hour in which I was actually awake on New Year's Eve, was uh, Duck Soup. And um, the movie itself has nothing to do whatsoever with New Year's Eve, and yet uh, subsequently I just associated it with that holiday, and I um, watched that in other movies. 
on uh, on New Year's Eve rather than go out and revel with other people because uh, as as the the man once said, hell is other people, yeah. and I would rather just watch movies. Yeah, yeah. So so what do you think? Should we start with Duck Soup? Should we start let's, with Let's Let's start with Duck Soup. Um, the earlier of the yes, two. The earlier the, yes, this is the their last movie that they did with Paramount, um, which will be important once we get to the. Uh, the Night at the Opera portion of this conversation. But Duck Soup uh, is stars all four of the Marx Brothers, uh, including the, the, the little-remembered Zeppo. Uh, and it's, uh, it's set in the mythical country of Fredonia, which is going through a tough time. I'm, I'm recounting the plot like it actually matters. Uh, <laughs> You're about done. Yes. Wait, there's a plot? Yeah, no, it'll take me about a minute if we, <laughs> without interruptions. Anyhow, Fredonia's... Fredonia's on the rocks. They apparently are entirely funded by a wealthy patron. I don't know how that works. This would be the the great Margaret Dumont, who is Mrs. Teasdale, and Mm -hmm. she demands that Rufus T. Firefly be named the leader of Fredonia. Rufus T. Firefly is, of course, Groucho. Now, there's a rival country called Sylvania that would very much like to take over Fredonia. I lo- I, can I just mention that I love mm-hmm. that Sylvania is every time I laugh when they announce that because I imagine that yeah. their main exporter are light bulbs. Yes. In the original draft, here's a, here's a little fun fact. It was apparently the country of amnesia. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so they, they are uh, the, the main Sylvanian is Ambassador... Uh, Ambassador Trentino, Trentino, Trentino played by Louis Calhoun, who's actually a really accomplished actor. He, he goes on to do a lot of things. He plays Julius Caesar in the Marlon Brando Julius Caesar. He, he's in uh, Asphalt Jungle and Blackboard Jungle and other movies without jungle in the title. He, he's, 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 <laughs> he's, he's quite a good dramatic and comedic actor, and you, you get to see the comedy on display here. Anyhow, he's trying to subvert... Uh, <laughs> democracy such as it is in, <laughs> in no Fredonia. democracy in there's Fredonia. no democracy it it's basically run on mrs teasdale's say so no. and she's crazy so so was was mrs <laughs> teasdale's husband sort of the rich benefactor of fredonia is that is one one assumes yeah and, that yeah. It, backstory james franco will play him in a prequel <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> The only backstory I care about is how the hell she decided that Rufus T. Firefly would make a good leader for the country. Yeah. There's no explanation of that. One characteristic of Margaret Dumont is that she's always in love with Croucho, no yeah. matter who he is or how horribly he treats her. Yeah, exactly. She's sweet on him, and so she wants to, to have him take this job because she's sweet on him. And that's, that's, that's nice, even, although t- terrible for the people of Fredonia. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the ambassador uh, of Sylvania enlists the help of two spies, Chicolino and Pinky, mm. who are uh, Chico <laughs> and Harpo Marx. And they change sides about 20 times during the movie. Yes, they do. So, so Chicolini um, is uh, because he's it, it's not Chico, it's Chico, apparently. Mm-hmm. And yes. so yes. That, mm-hmm. we all call him Chico, but he's Chico. And so then I was like, oh, Chicolini, that's perfect. Pinky, I have no explanation for. It's because Harpo's hair is supposed to be red. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm colorblind. And also it was in black and white. Yes. So I missed well, that. You know what color Lucille Ball's hair was, right? Yeah, but I, I saw the ones that she was in that were in color, so that was... I just explained speeding. these things. All right, thank you. Thank you, Monty. Things uh, deteriorate between uh, Fredonia and Sylvania. Um, uh, w- one of the things I really like about this is how fast Duck Soup moves. That it is... Oh, yeah. It, 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 it doesn't care to make sense of things, and I actually kind of love that, that at the beginning, that first scene is like, well, if you want my money, you've got to put Rufus T. Firefly in charge, and everybody's like, okay, cut to... <laughs> 
This is a sixty-minute movie. It is. They do not waste any time. They they get r- right. You say to the that, point. Right. but the entire first six minutes is almost wasted time. Yeah. The opening oh, is just it's no. weird. I no. remembered Groucho I being dragged on right away, but Zeppo has a song before Groucho <laughs> shows there's up. There's a there's a full six minutes with nary a laugh from the from the opening credits to when Groucho finally makes his entrance. There's just well, you got you got to have your setup. You got to well, gotta... but I mean, come on, six minutes of setup for a sixty minute movie. Check your Sid Field. <laughs> I, I have. And, uh, wow. They, yeah. But they're waiting for the clock to strike 10 because very exciting things are going to happen <laughs> yes. when the clock strikes 10. As the song says. And, and then they play the Hail Fredonia song like again and again and again, hoping that something will happen. I find Is that hilarious. that we've got to give Zeppo something to do so he doesn't quit the act part of the it film? It didn't work. Yeah, yeah, it and didn't that was work, his last movie. Zeppo's last movie. Yeah. In this movie, he doesn't even have a romance, which I find fascinating. He plays. Uh, he he is Groucho's secretary. Yes. If uh, if uh, for those of you keeping score at home, and his name is Bob. <laughs> send a send a letter to my dentist. There's I a theory give him that a Zeppo name. is secretly a brilliant comedian, and he's parodying straight men in all his roles. Mm. If he is, this is his best performance. <laughs> if you read the various Marx Brothers biographies, apparently off screen he was he was just the naturally funniest. Yeah. Um, but yeah. he never really developed a character because he was he, he he replaced his brother Gummo in the act uh, <laughs> in, in, in the the vaudeville act. Go, Gummo uh, apparently w- wasn't too into it when he was apparent when he was drafted into World War One. He said anything's better than being an actor, <laughs> and uh, and off he went. And Zeppo, who was the youngest of the the brothers, uh, could sing a bit and and and. Uh, apparently filled in a lot for the for the other brothers when they couldn't do uh, parts. But anyhow, here he's he's ill used, let's say, or <laughs> yeah. not really used at all. No. But uh, as I was saying, conditions devolve between uh, Fredonia and Sylvania, and war breaks out. And really, this is all just um, a thin excuse for the Marx Brothers to to do their their little bits, whether it's uh, the physical comedy of Harpo or whether it's the the uh, the interplay between uh, uh, Chico and, and and Groucho and and uh, Groucho pitching woo to Margaret Dumont while simultaneously insulting her and there's a there's a couple of really good I I enjoy the musical numbers some some people may disagree but um, uh, I I said earlier today on Twitter that uh, Duck Soup I think is my favorite comedy and and I stand by that I think it holds up really well for a movie that's uh, Doing math in my head now, eighty years 81. old. Yeah, eighty-one years old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, now, I was going to compare this uh, when we get to uh, Night at the Opera. The the songs in this, I like the songs in this too. I like the Clock Strikes Ten. I like the repeated Hail Fredonia. I really love Groucho's song. You know, wait till I get through with it. How yeah. he's yeah. going to destroy yeah. the uh, destroy one of my one of country. my favorite Groucho songs. That and whatever it is, I'm against it from. Um, Horse yeah. feathers, I think those are those are Groucho's two greatest musical numbers. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm pausing for someone to dispute that. I'm sure Monty, Monty, and Andy will have, uh, the, the, have the one the one good moment of at the circus, Lydia. Oh, well, that's true. <laughs> there you go. I feel obliged to put in for Captain Spaulding. I think it's a really fun song. Another good. It's one. not better than whatever it is. I'm against it, but it's a fun song. And I, I really, I really love the musical number at the end, the Fredonia's Going to War song. We got I, guns. Yeah, I, oh, oh man, guns, got well, guns, yeah. it's uncomfortable, but <laughs> I, I, I think there, there, there's a clever 
bit of uh, political commentary going on there mm-hmm. uh, about nationalism, I think. And uh, I, 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 it's done in a really fun way, and it's it's got them playing a, a drum solo on the helmets of soldiers, and and uh, <laughs> it's it's fun. Yeah, movie. Uh, not every movie. It's 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 nice to have a movie that's fun to watch and zips along, and uh, six minutes of uh, setup notwithstanding. From there, it goes <laughs> goes baby goes. That's where you're winding the little car up, and then you yeah, let go, and that's it goes. Right. That's right. the frog taking off after you wind it. And, and I don't know, again, not knowing a lot about the history of this, as obviously many of you do, um, I can't decide whether uh, how much of this is sort of scathing uh, and, and, and brutal uh, criticism of the way that governments work and the way that they rush into war and people die and how much of it is sort of, well, it's a it's a thing to hang our uh, our silliness off of because from the perspective of 80 years later i am surprised pleasantly at how um kind of uh, you know straightforward they are about about uh, ripping into the way that governments treat their people i it it it, it amazes me i mean i know this is a lot of times we get the perspective that that films are sort of whitewashed and and simplified and and I think that actually came later in the history of film than this. But mm-hmm. I, I just every every time I see this movie, I am I, I think it's kind of breathtaking about how uh, how political it is and how uh, anti-establishment it is. It's it, well, it, well it, the, there's yeah. that famous Groucho quote where where whenever someone would bring up the the, the political uh, savvy of the movie, he would just sort of roll his eyes and say, we're, "We were just four Jews." trying to get a laugh but yeah, right Gra- groucho yeah. said a lot of things that weren't. <laughs> groucho was a master of deflection i yeah. think and I, I i think there was um i i, I think there was a, a bit of sub- subversiveness to this movie which is why uh, it, it holds up really well for a for a movie that's eight decades old yeah. i think the political aspects were probably inevitable because they just made horse feathers where the joke is what if they're in charge of a college and well, now we just turn it up. Now they're in charge of a country. But that doesn't mean they have to go to war and deliberately wear different uniforms in every scene. That's a, that's yeah. a great visual joke. Yeah. Yeah. That also also points to like how different this is from all the later MGM movies because this is definitely this is definitely one in which you can have a gag in which Groucho is completely unaware that the that the mirror separating the yeah. two rooms has <laughs> been broken, and that this three dimensional image looking back is actually another person. They can they, they can they can they can they can they can exchange. They can walk break through the plane, and it's it's just a game <laughs> that they're playing. That as soon as one of them fails to do the other thing, you've caught the other person. Then you can legally, <laughs> by Fredonian rules, <laughs> now seize them as a spy. It's yes, like, there are other movies where you can't, you can't do that. There's somewhere, yes, you can. It's cartoon physics. No, it's like it's like I love it's it's I mean that's there's so many like rules of comedy that way where there's like it's it, it really is almost like that's part of the social contract in this movie like when uh, like uh, like when Harpo and Chico are having that fight with the lemonade vendor outside and it's such a classic thing where now we all understand what the rules are first i do something to you and then i wait <laughs> patiently while you do something to me i i'm not going to i'm not going to stop you from taking the hat off my head and sending sending fire to it that would be wrong that would not be sporting yeah. uh in the book groucho harpo chico and sometimes zeppo by joe adamson which is a great look at the marx brothers whole career he makes the point that especially in duck soup the Marx Brothers deliberately make things harder for themselves just out of mm. pure perversity. 
<laughs> like, Groucho could just reach out and see if there's a mirror there, but nope, he's going to dance around because that's more fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. When Chico and Harpo have to break into a house, they break in, they break back out, they break back in again, just for the fun of it. <laughs> this whole scene, the breaking into the house scene would take forever in a Laurel and Hardy movie because they'd be unable to get past the door. But the Marx Brothers, it makes no difference to them what the rules are. They'll just do whatever they want. They'll get caught because it's more fun that way. Like in um, Monkey Business, when they're trying to get past the uh, customs people. It's clearly possible for them to do it any time they want. Eh, too much work. Yeah. I, I want to talk about the mirror scene because yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know... I haven't sat down and thought about my favorite scenes ever in comedies, but boy, the, this mm. would crack the top five. Yeah, because I, easy. I, I, easy. I, I think I've watched Duck Soup. Well, I'm 42 years old. I'm going to say at least uh, three dozen times in my life, and um, there is not a time that I've watched it that uh, I don't, I don't crack up at the the mirror scene. I know what's coming, and it's fantastic. And I finally uh, showed it to my daughter, who's four years old, uh, just this week, and. And and she laughs at it hysterically and, and, and talks about it because it's it, it, it's great and then uh, let's ruin it for the people listening who who haven't seen it. It's basically um, <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert for an eighty year old movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is the subject of the podcast you've chosen to listen to right yeah, now. Exactly. Um, everyone. Everyone is, uh, all of the Marx Brothers, except for Zeppo, are in Mrs. Teasdale's house. <laughs> and they've all disguised themselves as Groucho, except for Groucho, who is currently Groucho. And um, they're <laughs> trying to get the plans for war. And uh, there's a great bit with a, uh, a, a Harpo confusing a uh, radio with a safe. And he turns on the radio and, <laughs> and can't turn it off, even after he smashes, he smashes it, it, into it into pieces. And it's still making And it's noise. still going. Oh, my God. It's so many of these these, Throw it out uh, the window. these these bits that came from the Marx Brothers. I saw so many times over and over again in in Bugs Bunny cartoons oh, over yeah. the years. Oh yeah, without realizing that they had originated years ago in in a Marx Brothers film. They absolutely uh, lifted uh, Marx Brothers stuff. I, I think I've seen the mirror thing three or four times mm-hmm. in a Warner Brothers cartoon as well. And so so Harpo panics and runs into a mirror and breaks the mirror and Groucho uh, finally is is convinced to go look at. All this commotion, and it's he sees basically Harpo dressed as him and assumes, oh, it's my reflection. And they do a whole series of actions, and and the 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 the, the crowning moment is when Groucho does an elaborate dance maneuver and spins around, oh, and Harpo can't even be bothered to spin and just sticks out his arms like he's. But done. he does the flourish at the end. Yeah, yeah he does yeah. the flourish yeah. at the yeah. end. That yeah. is Groucho the, can't, if Groucho can't see me because he's facing the wrong way, why should I bother? That exactly. single gesture, that single gesture is my favorite single thing in any movie ever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I quite like the bit where uh, Groucho tries to trip him up by picking up a hat. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and, and Harpo on the other side of the mirror doesn't have that same hat. So he's got a different hat. And uh, they they sort of walk around each other as Groucho's trying to get a look at the hat. Yes, to see. walking through where the mirror would <laughs> yeah. be. Once. Right. They do. They, they, they walk through the plane of the mirror. The three dimensional mirror. End, at the end, the coup de grace is uh, is Groucho flips it up onto his head, and the hat has somehow changed that that Harpo had into the same hat that Groucho had somewhere in the process of that. And oh, it you, ends up you, being a perfect you, reflection. You, you forgot. You forgot one of the funniest parts of that, where Harpo like drops his hat. Groucho like picks it up, hands it to him. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's okay. That part it doesn't break it. Doesn't it didn't count it. when he saw the hat behind Harpo's back. It doesn't count that Harpo is dissolving into silent laughter right in front of him. Yep. <laughs> None of those count. Oh, it's only when Chico wanders into the shot that, uh, yes. hey, wait a minute. The jig is up. That is, yeah, that is a spectacular thing. And it's and silent. Completely yeah. silent. Yeah, absolutely silent. Well, once you've accepted the fact that there is an identical room behind the mirror, <laughs> you can pretty much accept anything. Yeah. Well, see, that, this, this is why Fredoni's in such financial straits. They make duplicates <laughs> of every room facing every other room. In that's case the mirror wasteful. breaks. It was the style at the even, time. Even Kim Jong-un doesn't do that stuff. And that's a pretty rare scene, by the way, because Groucho and Harpo don't pair off that often. Right. No, they do not. Yeah. Chico is the link between them. Hmm. The, uh, not enough is written about just how terrible a country for Tony it is. <laughs> From we've already talked about the 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 the, the millionaires like deciding who gets to be the ruler, but uh, you can pick cabinet ministers who are selling peanuts outside your window. You can you can do all sorts of terrible things. It's, it's there's apparently some sort of lemonade shortage because there's like a twenty person line at the guy's lemonade cart. It's a very popular lemonade stand. He's he really he he has the artisanal uh, address of the the native Fredonians. So it. it it's, it's entirely it, it's entirely possible that a financial bailout is not going to rescue this government. That, <laughs> may, or maybe it's one of those maybe it's one of those too big to fail sort of things. In, in, in the real world, President Johnson would have sent in like an exploratory force and set up a puppet government, and <laughs> De- uh, that would have been it a, for Fredonia. Declare it a society in chaos and install a colonial governor. That's exactly. the only. They do do it the old British way. Mm-hmm. That's actually one of the things that I appreciate about this movie is that it is populated by uh, by American actors and other other uh, people that we would see as our people. And yet, as a member of the the United States, seeing these people in in these little countries going to war with each other, I like that. I like um, I like that thing that it's not like the U.S. and Canada or something like that. It's putting it, it and it, it's very easy. F- for you as a, a person in the United States, especially to say, well, you know, these little countries that fight off, but that's them. That's not us. And I always like that in this movie, that it's us we're seeing, but they're in these little countries having this crazy thing going on. And I love that that uh, combination. That's a lot. Do we, do we want to talk about Margaret Dumont now? I love I, yeah. I love Margaret Dumont. I would, be, I would be happy to talk about Margaret Dumont. Yes. Uh, I, I lost count of how many uh, Marx Brothers movies she appears in. Maybe Monty or, or Andy can jump in with the, the actual total. But Seven. She, okay, there you go. Do the ones she's not in suck? Because I feel like they would be nothing without her. She's so perfect. They are the later fan. ones and the very early ones. Yeah, so the, yeah, the, um, yeah. It, isn't Monkey Business has Thelma Todd as the... Uh, yeah, as, yes. Yeah. And that's okay. That that's probably the best non Margaret Demont movie. Um, but Margaret Demont really she 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 is the glue that holds these yeah. movies together because <laughs> it's the old it's the old comedy adage. It doesn't work if the sap doesn't have dignity. You don't feel like she's a victim. You feel no. like for reasons that she doesn't wish to wish to share, she feels as though the price, whatever it is that she, that he delivers to her life, is worth what she absolutely acknowledges. I know I got to put up with this, but believe me, there's upsides to this relationship that you can't figure out. She's not a victim. She's a masochist. She takes constant abuse and insults, and yet she comes back for more. I'm a I'm a naughty person. 
Teach me the re- meaning of the word respect, Spalding. Chico is the is the um the character that that it sits between Groucho and Harpo. Um, I feel like Margaret Dumont is essentially the conduit between Groucho and like logical thought and reality. Yep, <laughs> and it's amazing to watch it because he's telling jokes at her expense. She. Everything he says is completely ridiculous on the face of it, and she reacts to it and the way she's written to, but the, the actress brings such a great dignity to it. She reacts to it all as if it's perfectly fine and logical and behaves as if what's happening around her is anchored somehow in the real world, which, of course, it's not remotely. And I think without that, um, it isn't as effective. I, and, and I love that. I, and I, Actually, it's, I think it's fundamentally hilarious that she uh, behaves completely as if this is all logical when it's completely not that that is so funny and so important i think in in accepting what you're seeing as a person who lives in a logical world to 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 look at this thing and be like well this is ridiculous but she makes it funnier because she anchors it to reality a little bit and her delivery is just so oh. so perfect she th- mm. it's it's your your typical wealthy dowager of <laughs> <laughs> The, the the whole uh, exchange between her and Groucho where he says, uh, you might think me a sentimental old fluff, but can I have a lock of your hair? And the way that she says, a lock of my hair. <laughs> and you're getting off easy. I was going to ask for the whole wig. Mm, and it's, it's just it's just a great little bit. But it's it's sold just by the way that she delivers the, the setup line. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the complete list of her Marx Brothers movies is starts all the way back at the Coconuts. Then Animal Crackers, Duck Soup, Night at the Opera, Day at the Races, At the Circus, and The Big Store. So she skipped Monkey Business and Horse Feathers. Yeah, she's not in Horse Feathers. And um, I, I, I like Horse Feathers, uh, but uh, it, it suffers for her lack of presence. Uh, in the chat room, we had several people praising as I was wanting to do uh, Lemonade Man. Yeah, Edgar Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. who yeah. Um, Great slow did, burn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As, yeah. and, and his hat, which is a fast burn. So, you know, <laughs> he loses many hats. It's sad. I actually feel fa- he's the only character in this entire movie that I kind of feel bad for because he had he had those nice hats. He wasn't doing nothing. <laughs> those two just started picking on him for no reason. And then he gets cuckolded at the end. Yep. Yeah. And his bath is interrupted yeah, by his, another dude his in the bath. bath. His bath is interrupted. <laughs> the last insult. There's clearly something in that. In that weird Fredonian protocol that states that you can't just crush the hell out of people who are irritating you because he's a very large man. Yeah. And Chico and uh, and Harpo are not nearly quite so large. And it it seems like any normal man who is not held back by some sort of societal more would have it would have put them in the peanut machine at some point <laughs> and watched them burn to a crisp. I like to think of some poor kid who's a big, big fan of these movies, like in the 30s, think, oh, I have very little experience with other people. This is this is how conflicts are handled. I could just take this person's <laughs> hat off of their head, try to set it on fire, and he will just stand there and do nothing and wait for retribution. Like, no. You no, that's be, not you, how it works. You, you'll, be, you'll be wearing that hat internally, sir. You ever try to walk up to somebody and just put your leg in their hand? It doesn't go well. <laughs> no. That is by far, by the way, my favorite thing it's, in, in all the interactions with the Lemonade Man is the, is the fact that somebody keeps ending up with somebody else's leg in their arm. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's so bizarre. 
See, the reason they're so nice to each other is that uh, previously there was a hot dog vendor who uh, one of the other vendors murdered. <laughs> and so now <laughs> they're, they're all uh, kind of on edge because they, they, they know yeah. that it's going to go badly mm. if there's any more violence in the vendor. The Fredonian alley. street vendor wars of yeah. 1925. In, in, react, still in reaction in the to mind. that, they're, they're all wearing body cams now. They all know they're being recorded. It's uh, yeah, they crack down on that in front of the well. It's in front of the the you know the Capitol building too. Well, Harper so. doesn't have a he doesn't have a cam. He has a, a live dog that lives inside his chest that keeps an eye out. <laughs> yeah, mm. something like that. I do love that. That is a that is a fun sequence of bits with the peanuts, lemonade, uh, leg in somebody's arm, and then and then the payoff at the end where the lemonade man, after losing many hats, then has his bath interrupted. <laughs> it's like of all the houses. <laughs> In all of Fredonia, the poor lemonade man. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's a beautiful uh, thing. As a young, impressionable kid, my uh, my favorite bits in the movie, besides the mirror bit, um, I love the um, the three times that Groucho tries to get in the the sidecar and oh. Harpo speeds off. See, my son, my son saw was saw saw a little bit of this while we were watching it, and he thought that was the funniest thing ever. Yeah, no, that's when you're when when you're in that uh, when you're in that eight to. 13 mm. age range uh, Harpo on the motorcycle is is the greatest thing ever and the other thing is when Harpo is riding to to warn the the, the uh, Fredonians that Sylvania is attacking and the uh, young lady calls to him up to the room and he rushes up to the room and they cut to the shot of his boots on the floor and her boots on the floor and then the four horseshoes and as a <laughs> As a young man, I began to think that there's something weird about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But because of the haze code, she's in a separate uh, bed. Exactly, that's right. and the horse is between them. Yeah, <laughs> the horse is in the bed with Harpo. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. There is a crackpot theory that I kind of like, which is that the Harpo that is Groucho's driver is not the same character as the Harpo that is a spy. Hmm. I was going to say that Pinky and Chickalini. Really terrible spies. Yeah, <laughs> just really the worst spies in the world. Bad. Like, I know, I'll, I'll sell a peanuts. Okay. Uh, unless one of them is also the driver for the president uh-huh. of Fredonia. Like, that's really good spying if he got that job. Yeah. That's why I think that's a whole different character that's also played by Harper. Although he, he never drives him anywhere. No. He, he's there it's for his, about 30 seconds until he takes plan. off on his own. So. Yeah. Well, he's a double agent. He's, he's saving him by. We're not, back to crappy spy again. Yeah. Could be going for the double bluff, where he's yeah. so incompetent he can't possibly be as sophisticated super agent. His, meanwhile, he meanwhile he's there with the, with a Minox camera. His Excellency's car. His Excellency car. Mm-hmm. What if he's deliberately keeping His Excellency from his important meetings? Sabotage. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. No, the, all right. He's good again. So, so in the in the bad spy character. The, Wednesday, there's a doubleheader. Nobody go. We stay home. Yes. <laughs> and we follow that. I think we Ready follow the rain. wrong man. No ball game. I think we follow the wrong man. Okay. Yeah. Bad spies. Terrible spies. Bad spies. <laughs> really Trentino awful. is another character who has to pretend that things happening around him oh, yeah. make sense. Yeah. Actually, you know, the, my favorite bit in the whole, uh, we, we follow him, we go to the game, he doesn't go to the game. My favorite bit is where he says... Um, what is it? They they uh, they can't. There's no game. Everybody goes. I'm like what? <laughs> it's just, it, it leads to complete illogic. It's wonderful. That's no good. That's a no good. No, I think we follow the wrong no man. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Shadow Day because I feel like they deliberately only followed him on Saturday so that they'd be able to say this stupid, stupid joke during their report. <laughs> yeah. Like it's Thursday. Should we? No, no. I got a plan. 
Now, if you like plays on words, uh, Chico is your man in this movie. Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> oh, yeah. he does Dallas, Texas. <laughs> I got a, I got a job. I got a job for you in the mint. No, no, I know I like a mint. What other flavors you got? Mm-hmm. <laughs> stupid. That one. That's the kind of joke where you laugh out loud and then you say that's stupid. I sold a code and two pair of pan plans. Yeah, uh, <laughs> pair of plans. Oh, uh, you should. Shame on you, Chico. <laughs> and. But he's always looking around for approval for his horrible, nice, cold glass of lemonade <laughs> jokes. And he looks uh, around, huh? Huh? Nothing. That's a good one, isn't it, boss? No, it's not a good one, Chico. <laughs> Quiet, or we'll have Zeppo sing. Yeah, the funniest ones are they're doing wordplay based on products that are no longer available. <laughs> like, okay, I know that Calomel, he's trying to do a wordplay on caramel. I just don't know what a Calomel is. Well, there's Calomel. There's also I'd Walk a Mile for a Calomel, which is a joke on the line i'd walk a mile for a camel camel hey i must be a citizen i got my second papers like hey i i will laugh at that as though it's a joke and although i have <laughs> to go to wikipedia to find out what immigration <laughs> yeah. law was like in the 30s <laughs> yeah. so this is a reference that i always uh, there, there was a reference that i always um winced at and it's not like uh day at the races where there's the um, minstrel scene yeah. minstrel scene that's un- unfortunate but the um, minstrel scene that goes on forever yeah it's also it time stops in that yeah um oh. But it's beautiful music, so, though. So in this, uh, Groucho says, um, "What is it? Uh, my mother was a little uh, Armstrong. Head, the head was a little headstrong. The headstrongs married the Armstrongs, and that's why darkies that's were born." Darkies he born, says, yeah. and I think, "Ooh, okay, there's some yeah. racism." So went to the internet, tried to get to the bottom of this, and discovered that that's actually parodying a song mm-hmm. called "That's Why Darkies Were Born," which is a satire on racism yeah and so it turns out i don't have to wince at that anymore no because they're in on the they're 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 making a double reference to something that's actually a satire against racism it makes me feel a lot better well you you say that and yet um about hmm, and then they made and then they went and made a day at the races so yeah yeah, yeah. but uh, about six, <laughs> seven years ago i went to go see um uh uh Duck soup at on at the Paramount Theater in Oakland on the big screen, and they bring out the Wurlitzer organ and show a newsreel beforehand. That joke did not go over well in the audience at the theater. <laughs> well, yeah, you would you, essentially you need to stop it and you have a professor come up on stage and, and, and give a lecture, and read a Wikipedia yeah. entry, and yeah, that's what no. makes things funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, indeed. The only thing that got a worse reaction was the newsreel beforehand, which had a, a thing about the Shah of Iran, and he got <laughs> he didn't. <laughs> Oakland is not ready to forgive the Shah. <laughs> huh. Anyway, I, I at least at least I can not wince at that and just go back to wincing more at the the scene in in Day at the Races. Instead. Yes. So, whew. so uh, at at the end of this movie, they do the "We're Going to War" song, and then also uh, Groucho is literally in a different outfit in every single scene, which is <laughs> yeah. which just like at this point. Uh, look, we've been watching this movie for whatever fifty minutes, and we already know that. Uh, it, they don't care and it doesn't matter and that and if it's funny whatever they there's just no there are no rules here but and yet <laughs> at this moment you're like okay this is even crazier than the <laughs> previous 50 minutes of this movie has been in a funny way also it, there's a boy scout costume yes in right too. yeah yeah it becomes completely chaotic at that point which, um, which is in war. keeping with with war makes perfect sense i've seen this movie many times not as many as phil I still don't know why Chico and Harpo are on the Fredonian side for the end of the movie. Well, Chico comes in and says that he's changed sides. Yes. This is the one time that he admits that he's switched sides because the food's better over here. 
And they actually have <laughs> Louis Calhoun talk about, oh, your partner has deserted us. So that's that explains right. Harpo. Uh, wow. I enjoy so, the, the so there giant, you go. I enjoy okay. the giant shells flying through the windows, by the oh, way. Oh sure. I enjoy when stuff. they when they when they call out for help. Um you know, send help. Mm. If you can't send help, send two more women. And then they, <laughs> they cut to the footage of first it's uh, uh, fire engines, then police, then marathon runners, yes. then <laughs> monkeys running through yes. a, a forest. <laughs> and that is that is just uh, one of the greatest uses of stock footage ever. Sure. Like, why not? Sure. It's absurd. And that, fundamentally, that's one of the reasons I love this movie is that it, it it's absurd. But what it's talking about is the absurdity of war. Yeah. And and yeah. Uh, that's just it's so great. It is so hilarious and absurd and yet has that has that point to it that, that this whole thing is ridiculous. And these are, you know, th- this is what, 20 years after 15 years after World War One. When, when was this movie made? This is 16 years. Yeah, so not too long after the horrors of World War One, and with Europe not looking very good, right, yeah. in the mid-30s. So um, what a great time for a, a movie like this. But there, it's very clear and, and, and absurd. Apparently not everybody saw it. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. And, and of course, as soon as war is declared, in the next scene, rubble everywhere. <laughs> yeah. 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 So fun fact about this movie, Mussolini banned it in Italy. Because mm-hmm. he, he 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 found it insulting, which delighted the Marx Brothers. So I'm not saying if you like this movie, you're the same as Mussolini. But uh, well, it, it is a little known fact that the only reason Mussolini got the job is there was a rich widow who insisted that he be made president of Italy. <laughs> People don't remember that, but it's it's yeah. absolutely true. Unless you give the job to Il Duce, that's what Il Duce <laughs> means. My fortune, Il Duce. <laughs> I'm making the trains run at a time. <laughs> What's the camera go? That's a no good. That's yeah, it seems no like good. Chico is a better Chico. Mussolini stand-in. Yeah, mm. that's a good, right, boss? No, it is not good. <laughs> uh, hey, that terrible German accent means we should probably transition to Night at the Opera. Yes. since <laughs> since Sig Ruhlman is in that one. Oh, I do want to say a few things about Duck Soup. Actually, oh, sure, sure. Right. in particular, one thing, which is that this is the film that uh, that I guess made the Marx Brothers. Uh, it gave me a second chance with the Marx Brothers, I guess I should say, because I had always always grown up, and uh, as I was growing up, I would catch bits and pieces of Marx Brothers films, or like you know, on, on retrospectives on TV, I'd catch like classic bits from the Marx Brothers. Marx Brothers, and. Um, I always found him kind of irritating and obnoxious, <laughs> in, in particular Harpo with, you know, the silence and the horns and the capering. And uh, <laughs> Harpo can be an acquired taste. Mm. Mm. I had always only ever seen bits and pieces. I'd never seen a full film. And uh, and I'm going to throw some glenning in here and say that uh, one day I was having a beer with Mike Nelson uh. and uh, <laughs> and several of the other Rift Tracks people. Mike Nelson of MST3K fame? That's right. That Mike Nelson. Not actually his sister's barber's dentist. And Rift Tracks, somewhat lesser fame. The person or the character, though, or the guy from Sea Hunt. The the, as far as I can Hunt? tell, they're they're virtually identical. Oh, episode two hundred and twenty-three uh, of the Incomparable. For more about Mystery Science Theater three, <laughs> true believers. <laughs> Little uh, footnote there. Signed, editor. So Mike and several of the other uh, people who work for Rift Tracks were talking about how much they loved the Marx Brothers and how great the Marx Brothers films were, and. I nearly opened my mouth and said, I find them rather stupid and irritating. And then I, I realized, you know, I've never actually seen an entire Mars Brothers film. <laughs> so I really need to go and do that so that then uh, I can then rightly comment on them uh, 
and uh, at least bash them righteously. So I went and watched Duck Soup. This was a couple of years back, and uh, and I watched it, and I didn't think it was hilarious, but I, it, with the, the bad attitude that I went into, the fact that I came out of it saying, actually, yeah, that's pretty funny, uh, is is kind of impressive. And ironically, it was Harpo I ended up being most amused by, because yeah. capering is what he does, but that is some damn good capering. <laughs> Even the bits that that in in a lesser artist's hands would be horrible and unwatchable, mm-hmm. uh, somehow the, the genius with which he approaches it and the way he throws himself at it, it makes it not just tolerable but wonderful. And uh, so, yeah, Duck Soup turned me around, made me, uh, if not a Marx Brothers fan, then at least somebody that doesn't say obnoxious things when people are discussing them at beer gardens. God bless you, Steve Lutz. Yes. <laughs> Steve's heart grew three times that day. Yep. Yes. Which would have been awkward and uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Enlarged heart. You should see a doctor. Two things. Uh, I don't think the mirror scene would be nearly as effective if it wasn't completely silent. Yes. The Absolutely fact that all not. of yes. the sound goes out during that is a, is a is just a complete stroke of genius. Uh, and secondly, favorite line, I can see you right now in the kitchen bending over a hot stove. But I can't see the stove. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> best best Margaret Dumont burn. I will leave you. I, I will leave with one with one more last favorite line where they've locked Roucho in the in the bathroom and he's pounding on the door, saying, "Hey, let me out of here, or at least throw, or me, throw a me a magazine." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I held him in my arms and kissed him. Oh, so it was murder. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I really like about Duck Soup is that there isn't the standard piano solo and harp solo, mm-hmm. which yes. happened in. So many I, other movies. I agree with Monty. I think it's possible yeah. that it there isn't one because the previous movie, Groucho had insisted on playing the guitar just to show everybody what it was like to sit through his singing. <laughs> <laughs> I have to sit here and listen to this, but you, there's nothing yes. stopping you people from going out into the lobby till this thing blows over. <laughs> That's how I feel. It's my fault for watching all of their movies so often, but... You see, because of you, I nearly accidentally heard Groucho play guitar. <laughs> I like Chico's <laughs> piano routine, but it doesn't need to be in all the movies. Yeah, right. Does he do the same routine in every in every film? Very nearly. He doesn't always do the orange rolling bit, but the uh, running his finger along, shooting the keys, that's his move. There's, right. there's only so much you can do with the piano, as Victor Borgia taught us time and time. <laughs> well, there, there, there certainly is if you've got Chico's piano skills. I mean, watching him play piano is like watching a drunk guy trying to cross <laughs> a traffic road. It's like, it's, this is going to be ugly, even if it's successful. <laughs> so my, my favorite line possibly is, since we're, we're doing that before we move on, is possibly um, after Margaret Dumont says, Oh, Your Excellency, I'm so glad you've come. And Chico says, I'm glad I come too. You got the plans? <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, Groucho is such a stylized figure anyway, and so then having somebody else dress up as Groucho, I mean, yeah, okay, sure. It's all the same, right? And then he talks. <laughs> There's something wonderful about the fact that Groucho's got, like, these brilliant, hilarious witticisms, and Harpo has this utter genius at physical comedy, and Chico has a really bad Italian accent. <laughs> yep, and a hat. <laughs> That's and his hat, thing. Yes. But they all have a hat, sort of. Groucho's got his horrible hair. Like Groucho can get the better of anyone in the world, unless it's Chico, yeah. in which case Groucho is almost always going to lose the exchange. <laughs> Not through any genius on Chico's part, but just through utter stupidity. He's nope. matching wits with an idiot. Yeah, and, uh, you're like <laughs> fighting at his level. My thing doesn't work with this guy. Why a duck? 
I, I don't know. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a no good. I, I was my, my favorite line would be the Will you marry me? Did he leave you any money? Answer the second question first. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So I good. do I do that all the time. So good. The answer mm. the second question first. I that is that yep. is there's not a week that goes by that I don't do that. <laughs> I like when he says, Can't you see what I'm trying to tell you? I love you. That that's me setting something up. I'm gonna say a similar thing later on at the end of the night at the opera discussion. All right. Mm. Damn it. Good job, Monty. I, I do want to say one one last thing. Oh which yeah, is okay, Steve. <laughs> Raquel Torres. Hubba hubba. That's, oh, Raquel yo, Torres. Yeah. She yeah. wears a very tight metallic dress in lots of inappropriate uh, scenes, I think. She looks very uncomfortable throughout most of the movie. <laughs> she looks like she ate something very that, that did not agree with her. <laughs> yeah. Because she is clutching her midsection through most of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think she's, yeah, I think she's very uncomfortable in that. But, but she's very, I think she looks neat. She does. But she, she's lovely. She does. She's lovely. And then she talks and... Um, <laughs> it's unclear why she's there other than yes, that she no. looks nice but that's okay she's definitely not Trentino's Margaret Dumont I'll say that no 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 time for the last sponsor read of the year for the incomparable it is for Smile Software and PDF Pen Scan Plus for iOS bringing the power of your office to your pocket scanning contracts invoices receipts as PDFs with your iPhone or your iPad. PDF Pen Scan Plus is a complete mobile scanning and OCR app. That's right. You can scan stuff right from your iPhone or iPad, turn it into a PDF, and file it. There's one-touch scanning directly from your iPhone or iPad camera. You can scan multiple images into a single document. You, you will marvel when the app detects the page edges automatically and crops the scan appropriately. So you won't end up with some weird kind of like tilted and like something in the background. It'll find the paper edges and make the scan just what you're scanning it's pretty amazing it uses ocr optical character recognition you know this it will convert your scans into searchable pdfs it will recognize the letters on the thing that you took a picture of and turned into a pdf and will embed that information in the pdf so it's searchable it's pretty amazing and that all happens in the app it doesn't get sent out to a cloud service or anything like that all on your iphone or ipad they are that powerful preview and copy text recognized by the ocr engine it'll automatically upload scans to dropbox or icloud and new in version 1.5 of pdf pen scan plus an improved camera layout image stabilization and support for icloud drive so if you need to scan in documents you don't need a scanner You've got it in your pocket now. Just add PDF Pen Scan Plus from Smile. For more information, please visit our friends at Smile at smilesoftware.com slash incomparable. And thanks so much to Smile for sponsoring The Incomparable and being our final sponsor of the year. All right, uh, let's move on to The Night at the Opera. Night at the Opera was their first movie for MGM after their after their five-picture run with Paramount ended. And... Um, uh, it was basically they were under the supervision of Ir- Irving Thalberg, who you may remember from the Memorial Award that bears his name. And his, oh. his, and and Thalberg's opinion was the problem with the Marx Brothers is they were just going around being agents of chaos, and anyone who came within their path uh, ended up on the wrong side of history, and that there was no one to root for, and the the Marx Brothers were off-putting, particularly to female audiences. So. He insisted that what they were going to do is more tightly plotted movies rather than just sort of these random bits of of whimsy and chaos. And um, there would be a love interest that they would so the audience would have something to root for. And not Zeppo. 
not Zeppo, because Zeppo was done at this point. He went off to become an agent. Uh, and, uh, and not of chaos. No, and not of chaos, of actors <laughs> who are like chaos, but uh, uh, better paid. So, um, so he's an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. Mm. So, so, uh, so, so what Irving Thalberg, what you're saying is Irving Thalberg said, you know what these movies need is romance plot. subplots and lengthy musical numbers. That lengthy aren't musical funny. numbers and basically scenes that have a beginning, middle, and end is uh, very much what Irving Thalberg introduced to the mix. And pretty much all the MGM movies that they did, um, uh, from that point on, followed that formula, and Night at the Opera uh, really reflects that. In this, in this particular case, Groucho is Otis B. Driftwood, and he, <laughs> and he is helping Margaret Dumont join society. Now, is he uh, always first name initial uh, item in every almost film? Almost always. Almost always. Yeah. In the in yeah, yeah pretty much. There's like um, one or two. And this is all happening in where, so answer me this, where is this? Because then they take a ship. So where where are they supposedly? They're, they're, they're in Italy, Europe, I think. They're, they're in Europe it, somewhere. Are they it's in Italy? Italy or... And acor- apparently we're, we are not watching the original print of uh, Night at yeah. the Opera when we watch it, because there used to be in, if, if, you, if you love the setup for uh, Duck Soup, you'll love the <laughs> original setup for Night at the Opera, which f- featured a very lengthy musical number in it. And there was actually a caption that said, Italy, where they sing all day and watch opera at night, which seems vaguely stereotypical. And, but, <laughs> that's a uh, joke they put in silent movie title cards. Exactly. So It was, it was rubbing it in for Mussolini. They make and eat pasta all day. Yes. And, and then go to the opera yeah. at night. The it's best totally thing different. about this being initially set in Italy is, for a change, Chico is not the least Italian Italian in the room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yes, it's it's supposedly set in Italy. And um, uh, the, the plot that uh, uh, Groucho uh, settles on to get uh, 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 Margaret Dumont into society is that she is going to basically donate lots of money to the New York Opera so that they can bring over a great Italian tenor to perform. And uh, there's a there's a, a basically the Zeppo role is this this uh, piece of warm meat who. Uh, <laughs> uh, He's not that warm. No. <laughs> he loves a lady and he also sings and uh, Chico is his good friend and Harpo is the dresser of the jerky uh, famous Italian tenor that Margaret Dumont is going to um, uh, fund and they all go over on the cruise ship together to, to, to New York and and then chaos ensues at the opera. For a tightly plotted movie, this has even less plot than Duck Soup, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's basically uh, Groucho and Chico and Harpo causing all sorts of chaos among society swells like Margaret Dumont, like uh, Sig Ruhlman, who is the head of the New York Opera, and the um, and um, the oh yeah, tenor, Gottlieb, Mr. Gottlieb, Mr. Herr Gottlieb. Oh yeah, Gottlieb. And I say this, I am a Gottlieb, huge Claypool, Claypool, Gottlieb. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners may not know Sig Rollman from a hole in the ground, but basically, if you needed a pompous German between mm. 1930 and 1960, he is going to show up in your movie because he, ha- he has this voice. With, ah, ah, have Mr. Driftwood, and he he generally wore a monocle. He's uh, yep. Sergeant Schultz in Stalag 17. Yeah, is probably his biggest role. But basically, mm. um, he plays the. The, the 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 Teutonic jerk in lots of movies, and he and he's great here, and he's um uh, 
the the guy who plays the pompous uh, tenor is um, is less good. Yeah. I think. Yeah, um, I felt bad for that guy towards the end of the movie because people were really dumping on him for no reason. Right, and he was well, historically he was, a jerk, I guess. Yeah. So, but right. like, there's the scene where he comes in, finds out that his woman is with some other guy, and says, "Oh." She, he, she was never his woman. Remember, he was trying to like sort of uh, uh, workplace harass her and hey, say, "I'm hey, I'm going to be I'm going to be I'm going to be I'm being wooed by the New York Opera Company. If you come with me, then I can find a place for you in the New York." Opera right, Company. the woman he wishes to woo. He walks in, says, "Huh, there's a guy already here. Well, in the boudoir, to his company, and three's a crowd, and that enrages them, and they attack him." Well, they were hoping for a menage, I think. He was very polite. <laughs> well, th- this this is, again, part of Irving Thalberg's theory, is that now the Marx Brothers will just be um, uh, chaotic and mean around people who themselves bring it, who bring it on themselves, like right. uh, like Sig Rollman and Jerky Italian Tenor. And at the end of the opera, why is everybody booing Jerky Italian Tenor? I know the audience liked the other guy a little more, but come on. He didn't do anything to you folks. They've been watching the movie. You the bought a ticket to see this famous guy, and now you're booing him. They you don't threw an apple at him because watermelons are out of season. Uh, <laughs> the um, I always am confused by this movie because, uh, and I think this says something about what's memorable to me about it is, I always want this movie to be called something like A Trip on a Boat. <laughs> Right, yeah. not a night at the opera. It's like, oh, it's the one with the opera. Is that the one with the boat? Because the boat part is the part I like when yeah. they're on the boat and they have to get on the boat and then they're well, it's on. Much the boat longer and... than the part of the opera, so yeah, it makes perfect sense. And they already did a movie that's a a movie on a boat. Well, I guess so. so. This is about the opera, but it's on a boat. Uh, okay, they should. So, have, yeah. and, and you're hit. You're hinting at the central problem of Night at the Opera, which is actually a movie I enjoy, though uh, not nearly as much as. Uh, as duck soup, but basically, Night at the Opera has a couple of great scenes in it, uh, and in between those great scenes is a lot of filler, and sometimes that filler are musical numbers that do not feature the Marx Brothers oh. in any way, shape, or form, Ooh. and uh, some of the time it's it's Marx Brothers bits that um, that didn't work out very well. I also find the pacing of this movie problematic compared to uh to duck soup because they 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 worked in pause for laughs and that's a byproduct of as we mentioned they would put they took the show out on the road and and timed it to see when people would laugh and you you can see them pause on screen so that they uh, that they don't talk over the laugh lines uh whereas in duck soup they're just doing laugh line laugh line laugh line and and if you if you're laughing and you miss it that's that's great because you're laughing, but uh, but I kind of uh, love those moments because frequently it, what they'll fill that space with is a look at like a zoom in on Groucho and his eyes are like pointing at the ceiling and they're sure. pointing in opposite directions and somehow that that makes the the whole bit funnier yeah. for me. I don't think I don't think of it as hold for laugh either. I I, I think of it as part of the pacing and the timing of the show. Mm. Uh, for me, for me, the time, the pacing doesn't work. There's a feeling to me, actually, in 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 all the Marx Brothers movies, where there are there are moments where you feel like these are two people standing at the front of a stage, doing their. It's like, okay, now we're now we're here at the front of the stage. Now we're going to do our especially, bit. Yeah, especially <laughs> especially when he and Chico are negotiating the contract. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like oh, the so curtain sad. comes down. They're doing something back there. 
These two are just going to go up front. Right. They're going to do their little double talk. And it's, it's funny. Not, it's funny. It's not bad, but you can f- suddenly, I mean, it feels so much, so stagey. So, yeah. so much yeah. like this is the bit where they stand at the front of the stage and talk to the audience and are doing the pause and look. And sometimes there's a cut to a closer shot where there's a reaction, but it, it feels very much like, um, you know, like like something that you'd see on stage. And, and yeah. the timing works as a uh, stage timing i suppose scenes like that remind me a lot of abbott and costello movies where they clearly like every 15 minutes just wrote down and then they do this well-rehearsed routine mm. Mm. then they do slowly i turn then they do who's on first then <laughs> yeah. they do the susquehanna hat company costello does math on chalkboard you can't fool me there's no such thing as sanity clause <laughs> yeah that's one of the great bits in there the sanity clause bit and the stateroom bit in the, the state, crowded stateroom. The stateroom bit is is spectacular. Yes, um, and, and another, I, another thing that my four year old loves. As I alluded to at the top, I, I, the thing I love the more times I watch the stateroom scene, which I've been seeing since I was what eight years old or something like that. The 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 thing I like now that I take glee in is is Groucho waving everybody into the room. That that <laughs> at no point is it, it it's not cuz in another comedy it would be like oh geez what do I do? There right. are more people coming in. How do I get them oh don't come in. Oh no, they came in anyway. Groucho's like come on in. Uh, the best yeah. bit is would you like a manicure? No, come on in. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to clean the room. You're going to have to start you're going to have to start on the ceiling. Feeling, yep. Come on in. The part I like is during the uh ordering food part. Now Groucho is in the role of the guy who has to just accept every, pretend everything's normal. Right. So he's like, Honk. oh, we're and two hard-boiled eggs. eggs. Okay. Does not blink. Just I delivers beg your, it. I beg totally your pardon. Straight. I thought this was my trunk. This is your trunk. I don't remember packing you, boys. <laughs> <laughs> one one of the things that I, I found out a couple of years ago about the stateroom scene, um, at that point, Buster Keaton was sort of, you know, there were no more silent movies. He had sort of washed out of making his own talking films and he was working as a gag man at MGM and he helped design the stateroom scene inspired by a scene in one of his silent movies. Yep. Yeah, he did that a lot. He he would he would sell a lot of the gags that were on his in his previous movies uh and basically sell them on to other other shows. A lot of the Red Skelton films later on were yeah. essentially remakes of films he'd already made. Uh, in A Night at the Opera, a lot of the stuff that uh, that Harper was doing, like with the rigging in the backstage, that was also like Buster yep. Keaton stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like. I, I got to say that I, I this is not the most popular opinion. I usually prefer uh, like uh, horse feathers and duck soup. Uh, excuse me. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I usually prefer uh, A Night at the Opera to Duck Soup, chiefly because I, I I feel as though uh, they're both really really funny. The problem is that like we never leave the Marx Brothers world in Duck Soup. I think it's, I I prefer this version of it in Night at the Opera because they are the only crazy people in the, in the real world of of New York in which they've, they've got more straight laced people to go up against than they have in the previous one. So I think that most of their energy lands a lot better in this movie than it does in, in Duck Soup. I'm actually going to agree with Andy here. Um, This is actually only my second Marx Brothers movie and maybe that's part of it. Uh, but I've seen Duck Soup and I've seen A Night at the Opera and uh, uh, this one for some reason I, I think Duck Soup is probably funnier. But as a movie, this is this is actually a movie. Whereas well, yeah, Duck, Duck Soup, Soup is not a, not no, really no, a movie. That's, that's a fair criticism. Yeah. Duck Soup is a pile yeah. of sketches. And then the second thing again, uh, kind of glomming onto what Andy, Andy said, um, 
having actual characters that aren't the goofy Marx Brothers who kind of live on their own insane plane or characters that are just total rubes, I think kind of anchors the outlandishness of what they're doing. And, uh, and their reverence feels like it's being aimed at realistic targets instead of just straw man. And, and it's, it's, to me, it's a lot funnier for it. Yeah. It's also interesting that this is a movie in which other people get the better of Groucho Marx, and it's not Chico or, or Harpo, where the, the head of the opera company, once, the, once he's, he, he's, got, he's got Groucho figured out, and he's just looking for an opportunity to get him turfed out. And, of course, he gets that opportunity. He just gets thrown off the top of the stairs, and now he's living in the park next to the other two. Like, I'm, I'm sure, sure I'm glad I met you two fellows. <laughs> also, it's nice to have someone to, to kind of root for here. I mean, you, yeah. can't, you can't really root for the Marx Brothers because you know nothing can possibly harm them. You know, they, they, yeah. they live on this different plane of existence. They're, they're and, cartoon characters, yeah. yeah. They're, like a, they're yes. like a band of Jewish Ferris Buellers. <laughs> <laughs> they're Jewish fairy godmothers to, these, to this young couple. Yeah. They're bib- bibbidi-bobbidi-booing yes. them to get back together. Just because they're in a, ho- in a hotel room and there's a detective looking for them, they're not really worried. They're just going to rearrange furniture while running away. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I mean, if you, if, you, if you care enough about Alan Jones and Kitty Carlisle, and I'm not saying everybody will, but <laughs> if you care enough about them to, to, to be to invested in how things turn out for them, then, then yeah, I mean, it's, it's nice to see the Marx Brothers sort of training their chaos on, on somebody that you want to see lose. Whereas everybody that they bang on in, in Duck Soup is just there to be banged on. So I agree with right. everything you said just there, except for one thing, which is I don't care about these other characters. They're okay. really boring. The yep. musical numbers that they're in aren't very interesting. And that's why, although, I mean, this is what I'm saying. Duck Soup is arguably, if you had inserted those things, you could get you could inflate it up to 90 minutes and ha- have it be the length of A Night at the Opera. Um, I, I quite honestly would rather go the other way and deflate A Night at the Opera to have it be less of a movie and more that was funny because that, that stuff doesn't, it doesn't work for me. I, I do dream of the perfect Marx Brothers movie that has a really good, interesting plot with interesting characters and maybe even songs that I care about. But, and perhaps it's just because I'm not, uh, you know, perhaps Irving Thalberg knew very well what audiences in 1935 wanted to see. But now from this vantage point, I look back and it's like, I'm really only there for the jokes <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Well, and, not and the romance. back in the day back in the day movies like this and laurel and hardy uh when they would be edited down for you know let's fit in as many commercials as we can they would focus on the plots because they're like oh well there's the plot we need to take this stuff out because it has nothing to do with anything and that was before tv stations figured out that oh wait you're watching it for laurel and hardy and the marx brothers which you know why watch night at the opera unless you're a kitty carlisle hart fan <laughs> I tend to I I'm going to steal Roger Ebert's assessment of this movie and it's basically it's it's good but I find my, you fast forward through the parts yes. that are, don't involve the Marx brothers the the number that Kitty Carlisle and Alan Jones sing is just oh my finger seems to have slipped to the fast forward button and also alone which was written by the guys who wrote Duck Soup. Yeah, we we have only one song, and it's not very good, but we're just going to keep on repeating it. Hopefully, uh, I th- one day. I think you're oh, being right. very unfair to Kosi Kosa, <laughs> which is yeah, what they we're, sing. We're also, we're also insulting Il Trovatore. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, 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 that was funny business. Those songs, those songs come from the world, and then there's Alone, which yeah. is for <laughs> okay. this movie. 
Let's yeah, do that but, again. We're, but we're talking we're talking about two different kinds of comedy. Yeah. Where I, th- what I, I again I have no complaints about duck soup. Just an observation that. If you come in at the halfway point of duck soup, doesn't matter. If yeah. you oh, see scenes in order, doesn't matter. There is a sort. There's a certain payoff to what to starting Night at the Opera at the beginning and then seeing it to the very very end. There's a payoff there that uh, uh, duck soup at the end they win a war and save a nation and you really don't care <laughs> no, about it. Means no, right. no, 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 it doesn't matter at all. Without the opera, it's like okay, great. They got the the, the good guys won, the <laughs> bad guys lost, and you really do care about that. To an extent. Well, then they only won because of a strange technicality where if you capture the ambassador exactly. who wanders into your house and during the war, the war is over. <laughs> that's, see, that, that, that is, but that is the perfect statement of that kind of comedy where at the, they're, they're playing this with like live ammunition, but basically they're two bunch of neighborhood kids in the backyard playing, you know, playing capture the flag or, 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 or keep away. You know? And now it's over. Put up the card. You've, oh, I flipped over. Look, it's the general. Why win? Ah. One pretty I never thought of it, sis. but... Trentino's pretty brave. Normally, ambassadors aren't out on the front lines like that. Wandering, you would not find Dick Cheney anywhere no. near the Middle East. That's very true. Well, hell, Groucho's the president of the country, and he's out there. Yeah, yeah that's true. Taking responsibility yeah. for his actions, you see? So I, I, I think this is interesting, and this, this is really what's different about these, about these two films, is that the, the Night at the Opera has the trappings of actual, like, what we expect from a movie it's got these other characters it's got the subplots it's got the romance it's got uh the the musical interludes um with including with the marx brothers and i got the sense from it like um again it's like a, like a variety show or something it's like variety the people want variety we'll give them some music we'll give them some romance and we'll give them some laughs and we'll package it all together and that's a movie and that's fine except that like i said from my perspective in the 21st century i look at this and think i'm really I, i'm really only interested in the laughs give me more laughs and and that's just i mean and, and I agree that by having none of that, Duck Soup is kind of like not even a movie. It is a, just a series of comedy routines. It's totally true, and that's I think that's sort of what's fascinating about how these how these things are different. And I think you could argue I haven't seen have I seen every Marx Brothers movie? I I don't think I have. But um, so please uh, tell me if I'm wrong. But would you say that there is a perfect Marx Brothers movie? Because if these are generally thought to be the two best, I mean, it seems to me that all of them are kind of problematic because there are the funny bits and then there's kind of the loose stuff around the funny bits. Coconuts is more of an actual movie. Like it was originally a musical that had some funny people in it, but the funny people kind of took over it. So there are big stretches of that that don't have any Marx Brothers movie, Marx Brothers in it. And it's pretty passable as an early screen musical, if that does anything for you. It doesn't for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah. I yeah. like Monkey Business a lot. I think Monkey Business has basically a storyline and is very funny. There's also a- a- Animal Crackers. Let's not forget about that one. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I, I agree with you, Jason, though. I, I think that I think they're all, uh, uh, before the agreed upon decline, I think they're all great. I think they're just great for different reasons. Mm. I don't. I don't think. I don't think there's yeah. one that's like Blazing Saddles where you can say here is a perfectly made. Right, movie. They nailed it. Yeah. But but you're but right. you're laughing so much at these movies that okay. I don't. I'm not. I'm not here to. I'm not here with a scorecard to tell sure. them how, where, where they missed opportunities. But yeah, you're right. Exactly. I, I don't. There's there's no Blazing Saddles in there. Yeah. Uh, what else do we want to say about a night at the opera? Um, I got a couple things. Yeah. All right. 
I love I love that uh, Margaret Dumont gets a dig in in this film. Mm. Groucho says, "How's that for lovemaking?" And she says, "I, I think, think the, the Europeans, Europeans do, do it better. better." That is one of the funniest <laughs> things in the movie, yes. which is great. She nails so it. So good. Uh, let's see the other the other things. Um, as much as I, I like uh, the, what the work that Harpo does, it is surprisingly satisfying to see him get vigorously caned in the opening <laughs> sequence. <laughs> Yeah, are we saying he didn't have that coming? I uh, I enjoy the scene where uh, where uh, they uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Chico th- is it Chico throws the harmonic out the porthole. <laughs> That's nice too. <laughs> it's just like I'm tired of your music. Get We're out. done with you. You're, this you're is the movie where everyone tires of Harpo. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like the audience, I always enjoy how quickly the Marx Brothers lock into their characters with each other. Even like in this movie. Groucho doesn't know either of the other two at all at the beginning. And yet it takes about five seconds mm-hmm. of him saying, oh, hello. All right, now we do our shtick. Well, they're obviously <laughs> kindred spirits. He yeah. can sense that sure. in the opening moments. Well, that's what I like about it. Like, in some movies, you can't even tell whether or not they know each other. I think Monkey Business is the only one where they definitely do know each other, and that's only because they're all in similar barrels. No, that's but that, 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 that's exactly what you're talking about. Where they, the, the, their first meeting is when uh, uh, is is when uh, Rodolfo is uh, uh, my saying Rodolfo is is the, the uh, Groucho is talking to Rodolfo. Rodolfo gets knocked unconscious. Chico counters them, say, "Hey, hey, hey what's going on?" It's like, "Oh, well, he pulled a knife on me, so I shot him." Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> and now our characters know each other. <laughs> There's a scene I really like in uh, Gottlieb's box. And uh, the the action is focused on Gottlieb and Claypool, and they're talking. And uh, that's that's obviously the focus of what's going on. And in the background, we see Groucho turn around, and he says something to some poor woman sitting in another box. Oh, yeah. And he clearly offends the hell out of her. We have no idea what it is he says, but we can make a pretty good educated <laughs> guess. sheer presence. <laughs> Do it. But yeah. That's almost funnier than actually hearing what he says. Just, oh, there goes that Groucho again. Yeah. Yeah. Or when he pulls up in front of the opera company, say, "Hey, I told you to t- go slowly. Caught you. I almost caught the opera." <laughs> well, you save a lot of time by always playing exactly the same character in your movies. Yeah, and it's also and it's also good user interface for the audience too. Yeah. It's like, and it, this, it's not lazy at all. It's just like we we go to a Marx Brothers movie to see the Marx Brothers, so that means that we don't have to explain what Harpo's deal is, what Chico's deal is, <laughs> and what Groucho's deal right. is. There's there's a part of me that wishes that they still did um, things like the Marx Brothers, where you have the actors playing the same characters, or the road movies with uh, Hope and Crosby, yeah. where it's oh, just uh, yeah. uh, basically it's Hope and Crosby, and now they're now they're in Alaska, and now they're in Bali, and uh, it, and sure they have different names, but it's Hope, Hope and Crosby. Yeah. What I, what I love what I miss the most about that. Is not just the, the the that repetitive like familiar formula, but the idea that these are two really really rich and famous guys who got together and decided to bang out a movie. They're not taking it too seriously. They're not trying to reinvent the art form, and they don't care if it makes uh, a billion dollars or just a good profit. They just are there to have fun for a good month, for a good like two two weeks of shooting. And perhaps we're we're beginning to see that with your your Seth Rogans and, and James Franco's to, and your Ocean's Elevenses and your Ocean's yeah, Elevenses. Yeah, I was just going to say very yeah. Clooney. Yeah, it's a good formula. There's there's a reason why things are formulaic, and that's because the formulas always work. They've been FDA approved. They don't kill children. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this movie did feature the return of Harpo playing the or 
Well, Harpo does play the piano, but I meant to say Chico playing the piano and Harpo playing the harp. The harp, yeah. But I feel like they weren't all that confident in it because of that. They surrounded them with a horde of children cheering and laughing every (laughs) single move, which I could have done with that. Now, I got to say, as as I had not actually ever seen them do their harp and piano thing, I was actually excited Mm. to get the opportunity to see what they had going. Uh, sure. In the harp and piano department, but yeah, I was—I actually was a little disturbed by the fact that they throw through all those adoring fans in there to tell me how great see, they see. were. It's entertaining. See, see. Well, the nice thing about that, to to the extent that that is nice, it seems like the people watching Harpo are generally are, are genuine. They're not acting. They're 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 pleased by his his capering. In this right. case, hmm. well, it's extremely convenient that cruise ships of the time always had a gypsy dance party and endless pasta bar decks. <laughs> yes, <Is> that- <laughs> clearly, you have never been on a cruise. It ship. was it was the, the fashion. Uh, the, the SS Olive Garden set sail. I'd like some more of the soup. Name a noun that is a food category. There is an endless blank bar. Yeah, there's a puppet show in the other boat movie they did mm. if we're going to do favorite lines yes for me it's a it's a it's a tie between uh groucho talking about the second party during the contrast or the contract scene and just throwing in as an aside i was blind for three days yep. after the second party <laughs> second party yep because <laughs> i've been there groucho uh <laughs> but i think i think the best one is probably uh when they're in the hotel room and groucho looks over at him and says why don't you fellas be nice get out of here before i get arrested and Chico comes back with, nah, I'd like to stay and see that. Just, <laughs> just kind of casually. Nah, that's, I, I think I'd enjoy that. Last night I counted 5,000 sheep in those three beds, so I had to have another bed to sleep in. You wouldn't want me to sleep with a sheep, would you? Mm. Like Harpo and his horse. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I like that time Groucho told Margaret Dumont, can't you see what I'm trying to tell you? I love you. <laughs> <laughs> the power of callbacks. There, it there is. you go. <laughs> oh, that, the whole restaurant scene at the beginning. Um, oh yeah, is is nothing but puns and I mean and rapid fire, just one joke after another, and, and asides where you like cut to Groucho and he's like looking at the camera saying, "Oh, and then I've got this other joke here," and then turns back to the, the to reality. I mean, it is it. That's all it is. And, and and that would be my favorite line. If you if you ever dine with me at any point in a restaurant, I will pick up the bill and say, that's outrageous. If I were you, I wouldn't that, pay it. That I do that all the time, too. Not, <laughs> yeah. This time I, am, I was amused by what the outrageous price is. It's $9.40. <laughs> $9.40. This is an outrage. If I were you, I wouldn't pay it. Although his hotel bill is five hundred and forty dollars, yes, so. that's true. But the dinner dinner was nine forty. <laughs> well, the, well, that that remember his spiel when like he gets in the quote motor accident when he's riding his his trunk like on that on that cart throughout the the, the cruise ship. Say, hey, look at that, look at that feather. It's all bumped out of shape. I don't suppose you have insurance, no? Well, you're just in luck. I've got a policy that covers you for excess excess yep. If you lose a limb, we'll help you look for it. And it's only eighteen dollars. <laughs> If you lose a limb, we'll, <laughs> we'll help, help you, you look, look for, for it. it. Yep. <laughs> One more thing I wanted to throw in about A Night at the Opera, <clears throat> yep. which is that uh, the whole sequence where Harpo is swinging around on the stage ropes oh, yeah. and the backdrops are bouncing up and down is so inspired. I mean, the, 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 the scenes that get uh, you know the name dropping on this are the crowded stateroom and, uh, and the contract scene and some of the other yep. bits, but that's like a whole swashbuckling movie that gets thrown yeah. in at the end. Well, and, and just, just the up and down would be good, but the fact that we keep cutting, cutting back to the stage as the ridiculous uh, output of what's happening on the ropes is happening, where things are dropping down and coming back up and <laughs> all of that, that, that adds that whole other layer to it. 
Uh, yeah, it, it, it's spectacularly good. I'm also fascinated by the anvil chorus bit because he, uh, they, the, the special effect on stage appears to be two hammers that are connected to a huge source of voltage to, cr- to throw off sparks. <laughs> and I, every time that happens, it's funny, but I look, I look at those huge, huge cables that aren't part of the gag. They're just there to like make sure there's enough of a, uh, there's enough enough amps to make sure that it's throwing off sparks. And I'm wondering, oh, I wonder how many people were killed. <laughs> <laughs> Opera is no place for the weak. I wonder how many. I wonder how many harpos they they went they burned through on that day's shooting. That See, done. my favorite bit from that sequence is when he lights the match on the guy's abs. <laughs> that just <laughs> that just tears me up each time I see. Anything it. else? Yes the 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 hat that Groucho is 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 wearing during the party scene on the cruise ship. I don't understand that hat. I love it. It's it's the one where it's like a paper hat, but his top is going like four <laughs> feet right. to the left. And I'm trying to figure out, is that just, do they just like buy him a hat or do they decide it's funnier if we make this super long and every time he moves his head, it just flicks around? There is no explanation that yeah. would make sense for that. I hat. don't think they, they said this is funny and they moved on. Mm-hmm. Like I forgot to mention this during Duck Soup, but I love during the uh, hat swapping scene. After Harpo uses the hat like a yo-yo, the string is clearly visible on the hat for the whole rest of the scene. <laughs> the, the, the string was actually visible on the hat while he was wearing it. I noticed that uh, last time I, I watched, there's there's clearly a string that's draped down over this, the back of uh, the yeah. lemonade guy. I, I love that they didn't bother to swap out a different hat. Just, eh, it's fine. Mm. Well, Phil, I feel like we perhaps have come to the end of our little journey with the Marx Brothers. How did you think it went? I think it went surprisingly well. I think we've pretty much um, uh, decided that if you don't enjoy Marx Brothers movie, you are a soulless (laughs) monster. Yes. (laughs) That was my plan with this episode. Yeah. So uh, I'm pleased. And I hope hope that if people listening to this have not seen uh, Duck Soup or Night at the Opera, that they would watch those. Monkey Business is also good. Um, Horse Feathers, I, I... I yeah. uh, find enjoyable. Do not watch Night at, uh, A Night in Casablanca. Right. Oh, God, See, no. For, for the love of God. No. no, it's not good. See, now, I, I really want to watch a bad Marx Brothers film now. Night at Casablanca. That's the one. That's the Ooh, one. Watch Love Happy. Love Happy is their la- last one. Our good friend Sig Ruhlman is in that as the, uh, as the Nazi. Yeah. Groucho is barely <laughs> in it. It does have a literal walk-on cameo by Marilyn Monroe in her first screen appearance. Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. This movie produced by Chico's Gambling Debts. Yep. yep. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the only one based on a story by Harpo, for what that's worth. Yes. It was just a series of honks. Uh, <laughs> no, no. You know perfectly been, well. Would have been better. Yeah, Harpo was in the Algonquin round table. But, but seriously, yeah, watch watch Duck Soup and Night yeah. at the Opera and, and some of the other earlier ones. Those are those are quite enjoyable. And uh, even Day at the Races, just get ready to fast forward through the scene in the stable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But watch the code book scene. Mm-hmm. Sure. Oh, yes. Yeah. There are good scenes in Day at the Races. Yeah. Just not the one. No, the one is not. Yeah. Honk. Okay, and I'm going to wrap it up now, so here we go. Get ready. The sloppy ending is emblematic of the way Marx Brothers movies tend to just kind of peter out at the end. And then it was over the end, yes. I don't think they were ever this sloppy. Ambassador Trentino, let's hit him with oranges. (laughs) I'm looking for a needle in a haystack, Groucho says, and then the movie's over. And And then they pelted the bad guy with fruit or found a guy and... 
uh, and everybody booed, and then that was it, the end. And so I would like to thank my guests, because we've reached the end. Andy and Iko, thank you for being here. It's been a slice, Jason, and I really mean that. David Lore, thank you. Thank you. Hello, I must be going. Very nice. Monty Ashley, thanks for being here. Honk. Honk. Very, very well done. Steve Lutz. Ah, Jason, I could go on this, go on like this all night, but it's tough on my suspenders. <laughs> I'll podcast a week or two, podcast the whole night through, but I am telling you, we must be closing. And Philip Michaels. Let there be dancing in the streets, drinking in the salons, and necking in the parlor. Play, Don. <laughs> and thanks to everybody out there. For what I we, I hope this episode is appreciated in eighty years as much as duck soup is appreciated in eighty years later. Oh, nope. I'm sure it will be. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I am your host, Jason Snell. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Do I have a moment to top off, or are we going to start here? Uh, top off? I can, I can wait a moment. Okay, give, give me a second. Don't top off right before podcasting. Save it. All right, I'm good. I'm recording. Recording! All right, it looks like everybody's finally here. What's that? No, Glenn, save it for the podcast. You know, all this time, I thought you were kidding about the Zeppelin. When it comes to airships, Jason never kids. So we did have to get special permits to uh, zip into Canadian airspace. Sorry. So, uh, David, you want to kick this off? Oh no, he's gone. He's gone, Harpo again. Hang on, I know how to fix this. Thanks, I needed that. Brought to you by Skin Bracer. Hold on, everyone. Block of geese. Are those Canadian geese or regular geese? Regular. Over there, those are Canadian geese. Hey, Skin Bracer. But I wasn't even honking. Uh, you had the look. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Let's get this radio show started already. Tesla meets the Galaxy Scouts. Scene four. What up, my young youngs? Hey, that's my line. Cut! That's my line. Okay, from the top. Scene four, and go. Why gosh, Scoutmaster Green, whatever is that on the monitor? It looks like some kind of box. Hurtling towards the Copernicus. Jumping Jupiter! What is that? Cut. Let's try that again, Glenn. What, that? Yes, that. What? The line. What's this? Stop that. That's it! Take two. Aw, oh, come on. Skin Bracer. By, by Menon. Menon. <laughs> Not all Menon. No. <laughs> oh, Glenn. Glenn! <laughs> I wish I had a bell so I could go ding. I wish I had a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn or yourself? It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> of hey, uh, where's Phil anyway? I thought he was on this one. <laughs> He's topping off. I'll say. Yeah, listen, everyone, we don't have a lot of time to record this, and Scott doesn't want to be here, so... What, what, what's, stop the music! Stop the music! What's going on? Oh. Okay, where were we? What's that? That's Mike, you! That's your line. Wait, what's that? No, don't tell me. 
Oi. And go. What's that? I seem to have transmogrified the beryllium oscillators on re-entry from N-Space, and yet I find myself on what appears to be a scout ship of in... I'm sorry, there's this buzzing in my headphones. I'm hearing it too. That's not going to affect the recording, is it? Well, I don't hear it, so maybe not? No, I hear something. It's like this low humming thing in the background. Hang on, I think I can fix that. I thought he'd never... Seriously? Product placement. By Menon. Beryllium oscillator. So, so many words. Slap him again. Man, that is cathartic. For you, maybe. For all of us. Hey, guys. Look who I found in the cockpit. Because I was flying the Zeppelin. Hey, the humming's gone. Have I ever been in this cabin before? Nice decor, but hardly practical on a Zeppelin of this size. All right, let's go. Scene three. What? Gosh, Scatmaster Green, whatever is that on the monitor? It looks like... Wait a second. John, if you're in here, who's flying the airship? What's that? That that isn't in the script. Oh, relax. I put on the autopilot. Steve, there's no autopilot. That's what I tried to tell him, Jason, but no. Jason, Jason, come in, Jason. Scott, what is it? I wasn't going to say anything, but he's turned off the engines. They're completely cold. It'll take 30 minutes to regenerate them. Hey, I was just trying to make sure we sounded like a professional podcast. Ow! By Menon. Nice callback. I guess we're never going to do that Interstellar episode. Oh, thank God. Do you know it's three hours long? <laughs> Imagine how long our episode would be about Interstellar. It'd be like eight hours long. <laughs> hey, Jason, what color is your parachute? Color? It's six colors. <laughs> See, impractical. Who even needs a drum kit on a Zeppelin? Clearly we do. And that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Is this the end of the incomparable as we know it? What will become of the radio theater? Tune in again next time when we hear Glenn say... Is that my cue? All right, everybody. Holiday box sing-along! Feliz Navidad! Feliz Navidad! Feliz Navidad! Prospero año y felicidad! I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. That's for you, Erica. Oh, boy. Just shoot me. Or failing that, just shoot Steve. (laughs) Please. It's the incomparable radio theater coming soon to a falling airship near you. Bye, Menon. (laughs) That was great, everyone. Uh, Let's do one more for safety, though.